So uh, I guess uh, we can just get started right away. Uh, do you want to give me a little bit of a background on yourself? I mean, I guess first you can start by introducing yourself uh, and where you're at. Yeah, so uh, my name's Taylor. I live in middle Georgia. Um, so pretty much I'm familiar with all of the kind of northern Georgia area. Um, I started getting into backpacking probably three or four years ago, and they didn't really start going regularly till about last year when the uh, pandemic happened. So I kind of just got up and started going like every month. And uh, I don't know, I feel like I've gone a lot of places, definitely not for like very long periods of time. I think the longest I've gone was like a week up in Michigan over the summer. But other than that, um, that's pretty much what I do. I like to take pictures, take video while I'm outside. Um, also, I'm a musician, so I currently am teaching music at the moment, and uh, backpacking is kind of my other thing that I like to do. All right. That's awesome. It's good to have something on the side just to kind of have a little more of a release to not think about normal life. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. It's like I, I like music a lot. It's probably one of my biggest passions, but I think the outdoors is probably about right up there with it. So it's it's hard to balance sometimes to figure out, you know, which do, do I do a lot of music right now because I'm feeling weird or do I go and be outside because I'm feeling weird? You know? Yeah, exactly. So you must be pretty close to the Appalachian Trail then. Uh, you said northern Georgia? Yeah, so not too close, unfortunately. Um, I usually have to drive about three hours just to get up there. Because, uh, yeah, the they're in, like, right in the beginning of Georgia, like, the north part of Georgia. Have you done much hiking out there? Yeah, so I've done a few sections of the Georgia AT as well as, like, a lot of the state parks and some other stuff in the area. Okay. I love the Georgia section. I've done it twice now because we tried to do the trail twice before actually getting it done. But uh, I love it down there. It's really nice. The weather... You know, it, it's warm, but lots of rain. So it was, it's pretty though in the rain. The colors really pop. Mm, just, uh, you weren't there down in the summer. Uh, <laughs> so it's even more rain, way more humid, um, but still just as beautiful. Everything's so green. Yeah. Well, um, so you mentioned that you've done a lot of shorter trips. Uh, I have, I obviously went through a lot of your past Instagram posts and I found just some pictures of gear. I noticed that uh, you hike in ultras. Uh, I'm super interested in gear, especially. Uh, I love just talking about gear and learning what everyone else's opinions on certain gear items are. So I noticed that you hike in ultras. Is that something, is that what you usually hike in? Yeah, so I switched, I started in a boot, like I feel like pretty much everyone does. You know, um, and the boots were giving me blisters. They were heavy. Uh, and then, cause I always have this issue with shoes is I have like a long and a wide foot. So I was like, these blisters suck. I'm, uh, looking for something else. And then I saw ultra release the Lone Peak fives in a wide version. It's like, Ooh, I'm going to snag this. Uh, cause there's no way I could keep like at that point I was trying to push distance and it's like, there's no way I can hike a mile, get blisters, and then try to hike 30 more miles over the next few days. Like, and as soon as I switched, like blisters were gone. I broke them in 
I had a little blister, but as soon as I broke them in, they were like perfect. Um, I would say my only complaint is there's like no padding in the heel. So you step on a rock, you feel it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I like to call ultras the Jeep of trail runners. Cause like in, if you drive a Jeep and you, you drive it because you want to feel every rock and route. Well, not, well, I guess route depending on where you're riding or driving, but uh, you feel everything and it's the exact same with ultras. So I'm, I'm definitely there with you on that. Uh, it, it takes a lot of getting used to. Yeah, it was, it was nice. I definitely enjoyed like how my foot didn't feel like it was being squeezed. No, definitely no, no blisters at all. And they dried so much faster. Um, but yeah, I've been happy with them. I kind of want to find something with more padding in the heel. Um, but I like with the ultra like wide toe box and everything. So who knows? Like I haven't done a full like search yet because these ultras are still holding up pretty well. There you go. Yeah, I do think that ultra has made a couple other versions of shoes that might have a little bit more thickness to them. I, I want to say the either the Olympus or Superior, but uh, those are definitely worth checking out. Uh, I know my girlfriend Killer, uh, she fell in love with Hoka's. She tried using trail runner, not trail runners, using ultras for a while and she just, she couldn't deal with all the rocks and roots and just feeling everything. But she switched to Hoka's and she said it felt like she was walking on clouds. And it still had a pretty decently wide toe box, so. Mm. Yeah, those look like you're, you, you are like on a pillow or something. They look so huge and so padded. They, they kind of got my attention there. I got to look into them. Plus, uh, I mean, I guess it's the same with ultras, but you can pick some pretty cool colors. I mean, I got like a bright neon yellow for my last pair. It was, it was really nice. I mean, obviously the color fades after a while because, you know, you're, you're putting them through a lot when you're hiking. So where else have you uh, done smaller backpacking trips? And you said Michigan. Where in Michigan? Yeah, so I went up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan back in June and hiked a section of the North Country Trail up on Pictured Rocks on Lake Superior for uh, five, six days. Okay. Yeah, uh, I actually, so there was, a, there was a couple that I hiked with for like a little over a month who were actually from around that area up in Michigan. I'm pretty sure they said like somewhere around the Upper Peninsula. Uh, they're trying to get me to go up there. How's the hiking up there? Is it over, I did like 50 miles or so of a section and the biggest climb I had was like 200 feet up a sand dune. <laughs> Everything else was flat. Um, so it was really easy to cruise. Um, I, I really got, I kind of got reminiscent of being in the Smokies just because of like the dense forest. Like you're on a little trail, but everything was so lush and green, um, but just no mountains. Like I thought the terrain was really easy. Um, and you have the, the lake like to your left or to your right, depending on which way you're hiking like all day. So you got amazing sunsets. Um, the only real downside I had was when it's hot up there, all the flies come out and I'm sure you probably dealt with that up in new England. <laughs> yeah. It got pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> well, it's nice to know it's not just in Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine. It's, the entire northern half of the country, I guess, is just like that in the summertime. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you get a lot more precipitation up there. I mean, you're right by a lake, so that all the humidity in the air from there is going to draw those flies. So, What was funny is, so I mostly only went up there because I had a friend that was working 
kind of in that area for over the summer. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to fly up and uh, come visit. And then you're like maybe four hours from Lake Superior. Um, we'll go up there and like drop, you can drop me off and hike with me a couple of days and then you can go back to work. So you brought me up there on a Saturday and Tim and I hiked the weekend and the flies and the bugs were miserable. It was hot. It was humid. And then like the day he dropped me off, the weather dropped down to like 60, 65. There was a nice breeze going. All the bugs disappeared for like the rest of the week. And I was like, man, you just missed it. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice. At least uh, that, that definitely sounds like it helped out your, your uh, spirits out on the trail. <laughs> yeah, it's like we had long pants on, long sleeves. But even if like a little bit of your ankle was exposed, like all of them are there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a lot like that up in Maine. Literally, like the last day I was on the trail, I slammed my shin on a log and I was started bleeding. I couldn't even stop to look at it or take care of it. Like if I stopped, I, I tried to stop and I just looked down at it and I got bit probably six or seven times by mosquitoes, and I just had to keep hiking. It. Yeah, it was it, maybe I don't know. They were biting me all over though. They, it wasn't just my shin, but. That, <laughs> I mean, honestly, at that point in my hike, I kind of just, it was funny at that point. Like, I, I, I knew there was nothing I could do about it. But, yeah, I, I, I think that's honestly the worst part of anything outdoors is just the flies and bugs, especially depending on where you are. I mean, on the East Coast or anywhere in the East Coast, the flies get pretty bad and mosquitoes. Yeah, I the only thing, other thing that, I guess really brings my spirits down other than bugs biting me constantly is probably like a really strong, like cold wind. Like you have all your layers on and it just doesn't do anything. <laughs> like It just cuts through you. So have you, we're all on the Appalachian trail. Have you hiked? Um, so I've done, yeah, I've done a bit of Georgia and I've done some small spots in the Smokies as well. Because when you, when you mentioned uh, that cold wind, that just made me think of uh, Virginia, the very beginning of Virginia and the Grayson Highlands especially, where that's where you can see like the ponies, they call it the Pony Express. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. a place worth going and checking out. Even if it's in the wintertime, it gets really cold, like really freaking cold. But it's so gorgeous up there. It really is. But that it's, yeah, it's highly exposed and it gets very cold very quick. I've looked at that section because, I mean, that's not too far away. It's pretty, like, a long drive, but it's more realistic than, like, you know, driving to, like, Connecticut or something. Um, that and, like, Rowan Highlands, um, like, what was your experience in that section? That's that's way closer to me, actually. So, honestly, I feel like everyone almost every year gets the same weather in that area. At least like, so we started in late February and we got to, we, I, I don't know how I know this or remember this, but it was April 1st is when we got snow and we were in the Rhone Highlands and uh, it, like, it, it's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. Uh, it just was also one of the most miserable times I had because I was not prepared for it to be that cold. I mean, it was 12 degrees in the nearest town. So it was probably like five or six degrees when we woke up in the morning. And I, we just weren't really that prepared for that. Uh, I didn't even have any hand warmers. I think I had one left and I rotated it 
from my hand to my hand to my foot to my foot throughout the entire day. Uh, I, honest, I mean, I'll be honest, I woke up that morning and I was looking for the closest road to get off the trail to go just warm up in a building or something, but there wasn't any more roads for another 18 miles, so we had to just kind of suck it up and hike. But um, I definitely would love to go back in a warmer, the warmer months and explore there. Uh, the ponies are awesome, they're very friendly. Um, and the Roan Highlands, honestly, there's one point in there where you come out from a tree line and you see this mountain and it just looks like you're on a different planet. It, it felt like I was oh, yeah. just completely like not on earth anymore. Um, and it also got probably like 60 to 70 mile an hour winds pretty constant at the top, but it just added to it. It really did. Yeah. Like Killer doesn't really like hiking in the wind at all. Like it just, she doesn't like feeling like super off balance, but like even when we were up there, we had so much fun. It, it was so nice and awesome. Uh, but yeah, I definitely recommend taking a trip out there. It's, it's well worth it. Would you, did you have like, were your coldest times on trail, like in the Southern portion or did you have some up North as well? Yeah, it was definitely that experience waking up to in the single digits, uh, that happened. That day, and then the next day it got a little bit warmer, and then two days later it was like 75 degrees, and it was fine for pretty much the rest of the time. Um, I was able to switch to my summer gear like halfway through Virginia, and I never really actually had to switch back to any winter gear. Uh, even up in Maine, we did have a few nights that it might have gotten below 40, but it really wasn't bad, to be honest. I mean, your body does acclimate, to whatever weather you're consistently in. So like, after those really cold mornings, uh, even like the next day it was like 45 degrees and I was hiking in shorts and a t-shirt. Like it felt like it was summertime. Uh, but after a month of being home and I walk outside and it's 65 degrees, I'm kind of cold. So your body really just acclimates to whatever you're hiking in. That makes me think of like currently the weather in Georgia. Winter in at least middle Georgia is like, so let's say like three days ago, it was storming. Like a giant storm system came through. It's like 70 degrees for like three days on Christmas. And then the storm comes through and it drops down to 40. It goes down to 30. And then like the weather here is so moody. So it just makes me think of that, especially being like outside when that can easily happen like on the trail and you have to just adapt to it. Yeah. And like weather's only really one part of it. I mean, if you can, you can definitely prepare for the weather. I mean, no matter what you do, you're going to get rained on, you're going to get soaking wet. You, that's one of those things you just got to kind of embrace the suck with. But all the other logistics of the hike are honestly what's more on your mind than the weather. You kind of just get to the point where, oh, it's thunderstorming today. Oh, well. Like, we're just gonna go. <laughs> um, but I think we got very lucky with the weather down in Georgia, uh, at least this year. Uh, the first year we tried to do it back in 2020, um, it rained, I think, eight out of 10 days that we were on the trail. And it was not even like a, a warm rain, it was like a 33, 34 degree rain the whole time. So that was pretty miserable, but this time around in 2021 when we went through, it was sunny and 65 degrees most days in Georgia. I think we had one day of rain and it got pretty cold, which is, it's so weird to me, but like it can be really warm, but 
any day that it rains, it just automatically drops below 40 degrees. Even if it's been like 70 or even 80 degrees, when it rains, it just drops all the way down there. And that's, you know, the worst kind of rain to be hiking in is when it's below 40 degrees. It's actually kind of refreshing if it's 70 degrees and raining, but... Yeah, because then it cools you off. Yeah, the weather down south is just crazy. I mean, I, I guess now that I think about it, the northern half of the trail was definitely a lot more consistent with the weather. Like, if it was hot out, it stayed hot out for several weeks, and then it would start to cool off, but it was very gradual and slow. Uh, but the southern half, it could be 15 degrees, and then a couple days later, 75 degrees. So, and then back down to 15 degrees a few days later. So it's the weather is. We don't even bother looking at the weather when we're out hiking because they're always they can't predict it, you know. What was it like doing that like first Georgia section twice? Uh, actually, I really, really enjoyed going back through and doing it again. Uh, it was we it it wasn't weird. It was it was very my memories from the two years of hiking Georgia actually have been kind of like mixed together and I get them jumbled up a lot. Uh, sometimes like like we stayed in Neil's Gap in the cabins there both years, and sometimes I almost like get switched up who we stayed with. Like if I think about it, I do know who I stayed with on each year, but like for a while I had to kind of just think and be like. Was I with Aquaman that year, or was I with, like, you know? But it it was really nice getting to go back through and hike through it all again. Uh, I just, I remembered everything. I didn't think I was going to, but I literally remembered everything. I even recently, so I'm starting to work on a documentary for my hike, and I watched uh, a documentary by Frozen, I believe, uh, of his hike from like two or three years ago. I watched the whole thing and I just, I recognized everything, every single view, every single climb that was there. And like, I couldn't recall any of that right now, but just seeing it just like triggers a memory in me. So going back and doing Georgia again, especially, um, it just triggered a lot of memories in me from the last year. Yeah, like hiking, even if you don't remember all of it, it kind of like ingrains it into your subconscious because I've had... There's plenty of times where I've hiked a section of like the AT or something in a state park, and then um, I'll come get my friend to do it, and he's like, "I feel I feel weird making you hike the same thing again." I'm like, well, it's different every time, and it's it's kind of fun to kind of like show it to you, you know. So it's never the same time, and then you just kind of forget about it, and then it comes back up, or you see something like, "Oh yeah, I've been there," but I haven't thought about that place in forever. So congrats on your thru-hike, by the way. That's awesome. I watched you guys go like all the way up. I appreciate that. I really do. It was it was a it was a journey for sure. I do got to say though, like I, the entire last month on the trail, all I wanted to do was go home and be done. I was just so done with it. But as soon as I got home, I was like, why did I want to go home? <laughs> like I want to go back. <laughs> and that's how my mindset's been the entire time. Like all I can think about is wanting to just drop everything in my life and go hike the PCT next year, yeah. this year, even though I know that's not I can't do that right now. It's going to be several more years before I can do something like that again. But it's definitely all that I think about now is just going back out and doing another long through hike. And I know I have other trips coming up, but I don't know. There's just something about through hiking that is just different. Yeah, AT is definitely 
on my list. I, I feel like I need to get to a point first where I can like really start to save money for it. Um, but like, I'm, I feel like I'm just building up to it at this point, trying to get smaller stuff. Like what kind of small stuff were you thinking? Like shorter through hikes, like a month or so? Yeah. So right now with my current job, I haven't worked out to where I can basically take almost two months off every year. Uh, one in okay. around February and one in August. So this August, as long as, you know, things go well with COVID, uh, I'm planning on doing a bikepacking trip in Iceland. Uh, oh, so nice. I'm really excited for that. I've, the only time I've been out of the country in my life is going to Canada for like a weekend and that was it. So it'll be really nice like traveling to a completely different continent and uh, just exploring on a bike. Um, but other than that, I'll still be doing mostly like hiking trips. Like I'd like to do the Colorado Trail. Um, I was thinking about maybe trying to do the rest of the Eastern Continental Divide Trail. Uh, that goes from the Florida Keys all the way up to Quebec. But I just section hiked the rest of it since, you know, the Appalachian Trail is really only half of it. So it would take, it would definitely work out for me because in the colder months I could go down south and in the warmer months I can go up north. So. What about you? You said you're thinking about uh, some shorter trips. What trails pique your interest? Um, so right now, I have been actually working away at the Bartram Trail. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that trail. No, but I have seen it on your Instagram a little bit. Okay, cool. Um, so it's like 110 miles or so. Um, Starts in Georgia and actually ends up on it like dead ends with the AT, uh, like Chewabald in that area. I think that's where it ends. Actually, um, you might even like pass a sign for it because part of the AT is the Bartram Trail for like a few miles. Um, Those sound familiar. But essentially, it it's follows the the footpath or the I guess currently designated footpath of. A bar, um, William Bartram, who was a botanist from like the 1700s who explored that first area of Georgia and figured out all the plants that were up there. And supposedly the trail kind of follows where he went and went off of his like diary that he kept because he just went out there and I guess bushwhacked through the mountains uh, and documented a bunch of plants. Um, and I found that history just really interesting. Um, and it, it goes through some pretty rugged spots what I've done. I've done about 60 miles of it. So I'm hopefully going to finish that here in a few months, but it starts at the border of Georgia and South Carolina. And actually, I don't know if you've heard of it. I think it's called like the Eastern Serpentine Trail, but it's like a trail system someone's made that starts at the Foothills Trail in South Carolina. It goes through the Bartram Trail and then connects with like the Benton Mackay Trail. So actually the start of the Bartram Trail is probably like eight or 10 miles away from one of the terminus of the Foothills Trail. Yeah, I actually have heard of that. Um, that's, uh, I wasn't, I was looking at the Foothills Trail for a little while, but I wanted to do something like just a little bit longer because if I'm going to be driving down there, I wanted to be out there for a few weeks. But, um, and then I started looking at the Benton Mackay Trail and I did notice there was, I forgot what it was called, but I think it was the, the Serpentine, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. uh, that trail was like kind of connected them. But that's definitely, it, it's so neat how like when most people hear like of 
backpacking, major backpacking trips, just like think of the Appalachian Trail or maybe the Pacific Crest Trail, people don't really realize just how many smaller trails there are, especially just in the country. I mean, they're all over the place. Even like thinking about the Colorado Trail or the Arizona Trail, like those are really still longer trails. Uh, there's tons and tons of shorter 50, 60, 70, 100, 200 mile trails in the country that are just out there waiting to be hiked. So I, I definitely think it's interesting to try and plan some smaller trips to those places. Yeah, that's kind of like, I, I would say the Bartram Trail has kind of like a special place in my heart because when I was like researching it a few months ago, um, there's no like gut hook for it. There's no map. It's literally just a paper guide. Um, there's two guides for each part. So there's a guide for Georgia and there's a guide for North Carolina. And it's just like a spiral bound notebook. It has a trail guide. It, it's like basically the AWOL guide where it will have just like, all right, here's water. Here's your mileage. But it also has like topo maps in the back. So every time I've just completely like, disconnected, turned my phone off and just followed the paper guide. And it was really nice because really there's people in near the trailheads, but you get past a certain point and you're like the only one there. It's super, it's, it's, it's very like solitary. I've never camped with anybody on the Bartram trail and I've spent probably like five or six nights out there. Um, but there's also parts where I've bushwhacked because no one's been on that section in months and it's like summer now. It, it's just very unique. And I'm sure there's hundreds of other small trails just like that where no one really knows about them and you can kind of feel like it's your trail while you're out there. Do you prefer that? Like when you go out, so like, like put it this way, when I first got into backpacking, uh, I knew absolutely nothing about the community on the trails. And I went out on the Appalachian Trail thinking that I was going to be completely secluded and by myself for like three or four weeks. I didn't think I was going to see hardly any of the people out there. And I was completely wrong. I mean, first of all, it's the Appalachian Trail. There's always people everywhere. Well, not everywhere, but most places on it. Uh, but like, like when you go out on your backpacking trips, I guess it could be kind of circumstantial. Like sometimes you want to be alone, but then other times you want to be around people. But like in general, what do you think you prefer? It's, it's tricky to kind of dial that in because usually I go through phases of I want to go with my friend because I have a friend that pretty much goes with me most of the time because we have a similar schedule um, so sometimes I like going with him and sharing that with someone um, sometimes personally I feel like I just need the mental space to be alone and sometimes that's really the only time I feel like I'm alone and can kind of sit with myself on stuff or whatever and just have that. So I don't know if it's super like beautiful or something, I might want to share that with somebody. Or if I'm just walking through the woods, it's more of like a meditation. It, it really depends. Cause also sometimes I'll go on a trip where like, yeah, I want to push some miles and do some distance. Sometimes I want to hike two miles, reserve a campsite and just hang out. <laughs> I guess that's a pretty good segue into what kind of got you into not just backpacking, but liking the outdoors originally. Mm, I, I think it definitely started just being a kid and living in a 
place where there was a backyard that had a little bit of woods or even not in the backyard, just maybe across the street. Um, so I, I was always going outside and kind of exploring. I remember building a trail in my backyard with my dad at one point too, um, just like a little walking trail through the woods. Um, but I, I always hung out outside. I don't think I really got into hiking. Like I started with day hikes and I think I was about 20 when I realized that's something I do. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm an adult. I can just go do it. Um, and from there I was like, wow, it, this is fun. And I've camped before, but I kind of want to walk and go out into my camp. And it just kind of evolved from there. I, I slowly picked that up, got some gear, um, was gifted some gear. I've kind of dialed in my gear over the past like couple years at this point. Um, but it was really that just growing up, playing around outside and then kind of exploring hiking on my own and finding a different appreciation for it instead of it just being, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go outside and hang out. So I don't know. It's, it's the adventure aspect of that just kind of deeply ingrained in me. I would think, how did you get started on it? Hmm. Um, you know, I didn't really do, it's funny. So I was in Boy Scouts when I was younger and don't get me wrong, like I actually, I really enjoyed my Boy Scout troop. Like everyone there was awesome and I loved it and I did learn a lot. But for some reason, I just never enjoyed backpacking or biking when I was in Boy Scouts. I just never enjoyed it. I, 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 I Looking back on it now, I think it's because I didn't have full independence. I couldn't just pitch my tent wherever I wanted to. I couldn't just eat whenever I wanted to. I had to do it when everyone else was eating. I had to follow rules, I guess. Looking back at it, at least, I think that's what it was. But um, I basically didn't start even showing any interest in backpacking until I was probably a little, little past 18. Uh, I started realizing how bad my anxiety was getting and I was constantly searching for outlets and ways to cope with my anxiety and I started doing just like a couple of day hikes here and there and I, I don't honestly the idea of hiking the Appalachian Trail was kind of just random to me um, my brother had been doing bike packing trips like he bike he had just biked across the country by himself and I was like, man, maybe that's what I need. Like, maybe I need to just go out and do some long journey like that. But then I was like, I, I can't copy him. Like, I can't just do the same thing as him. I don't want to copy him. I want to do my own thing because I'm independent, right? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I had known about the Appalachian Trail, and I did remember that one of the trips, backpacking trips that I took in Boy Scouts was part of it was on the Appalachian Trail. But I didn't really understand that at the time. And I went on Google, I looked up how long the Appalachian Trail was, I saw that it was like over 2,000 miles, and I was like, well, um, I don't know how long that's going to take me, but I'm going to do it. And then when I was 18, I borrowed a backpack from my neighbor, and just, I did no research whatsoever on backpacking gear, I just like grabbed a bunch of stuff, shoved it in a backpack. My pack weighed probably around 70 pounds. 
and I just went out. I started Harper's Ferry and went up north for about three weeks, thinking that. Oh, by the way, I had about two hundred and fifty dollars in my bank account at this time. I went out there thinking that, oh well, I'm just gonna go up north. I mean, my goal is to get to like New York City, or get to like the train station to go into New York City, and then have my brother come pick me up. And then I was like, I started. Uh, I was like a day or two in, and I was like, you know. Maybe I'll just go up to Katahdin, and then when I get up there, if I'm really feeling it, I'll, I'll go and just do a flip-flop this year. And this was like mid-May at this point, so I, I knew nothing about like when to start a hike. I knew nothing. And I especially didn't know that it was going to take more than $200 to do the whole trail. But uh, I got basically, I just had such an awesome eye-opening experience when I was out there. And I realized halfway through, not halfway through, really towards the end of that hike, that I didn't feel anxious or even really stressed that entire time. And I kind of just knew, like, I, I had to actually do the whole trail. Uh, I did end up getting off the trail after like three weeks. I, I realized there was no way I was going to make it even to New York City. I was like, I ran out of money. Wait, so you made it three weeks on your first backpacking trip? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, to be to be honest with you, I would not have made it if I didn't meet some of the people that I met. Uh, one of the first like through hikers that I met out there, his name was Sparky. Uh, such an awesome, authentic dude. I still keep in touch with him. Um, I guess he was my first like trail friend. But uh, I was really struggling. And I had hiked maybe like six miles that day. And I had maybe like four more to camp and he caught up to me and we just started talking and I found out that he started in like February and was doing a full through hike. Still didn't quite know what a through hike really entailed, obviously. And I asked him, I was like, how many miles have you done today? And he was like, uh, right now I've done about 32. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Why have you been slow? Why have you been hiking with me? Like I'm holding you back and he was like, oh, I don't care, man Like I'm enjoying the conversation and we ended up hiking the next four miles together and camp together and uh, We had agreed that we were gonna get up the next morning at like 6 a.m. Which is no way in hell that I was gonna do or I, did, I thought I'd be able to push myself to do it, but I, I wasn't able to. I slept in, and I woke up and he was gone, but he had actually like gotten my food bag down for me and sat in front of my tent. And like, that just really resonated with me. I was like, like everyone out there was just that nice. Everyone. Like random people that you have never met before. You could have a five minute conversation with them on the trail, and they would give you the shirt off their back. And that's when I realized like, like there's a community out there that actually will be selfless and give back to people who they don't even know. And I know that kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent, I guess, from getting into hiking and backpacking. But <laughs> cut me some slack though, because like I literally have been recording, like talking for my documentary, like in the last 24 hours. So I'm definitely kind of in the, the headspace of talking about that, I guess. This is the place to ramble. It is. It definitely is. But I'm supposed to be asking you the questions. <laughs> um, I would like to add one thing because you made me think about it. Um, just with your first experience with the AT, um, 
because you said you got on it and you were kind of like, I could just go to Maine. Like, you know, it, it goes that way. And I, I kind of had somewhat of a similar experience because the first time I like, I had known about the AT, but it had never been kind of a, like a forward thought in my brain until I was, I went on like a day hike up in Northern Georgia and we got rained out, went back to the car and was like, let's just keep driving on this road. Cause it was like a scenic road. And then we, we just found the AT and I'm like, this is cool. I've never, I didn't know this was here. I think it must have been Unicoi Gap, I think. I remember that. I, I know exactly where that is. I pulled up there and was like, this, so this is the AT. And then I saw the sign that's like Katahdin, 2,000 miles. I'm like, oh, okay. That's right. I know about this. This this is cool. Like, this goes all the way up. Like, this seems something, something really interesting. It just kind of like, I stumbled upon it and it just kind of became this magical thing for me the first time but i didn't hike it at all and funny enough there was like nobody there no one was there it was raining um it's like the middle of february but someone had left two pairs of trekking poles at the trailhead and i was like this is this like a gift from the trail <laughs> did someone just forget these <laughs> so no one was there i ended up taking the poles because my friend was like you know why not and then I used them for about 30 minutes, like a month later, and broke them. <laughs> that might be why they were laying there. Maybe there was a crack in them. And, you know, people leave crap. It, it got really bad, especially on the northern part of the trail up in, like, Maine and that area. It got really bad with people just leaving their crap at shelters. And I know 99% of it was not through hikers because by that point in your hike, you know, you understand, you know, leave no trace, like, take, like pack it in, pack it out, that kind of stuff. But... There were so many different instances where I just watched people be so disrespectful and just leave crap like that. Like trekking poles are, I guess, I can't be too mad about that because, you know, someone will pick those up and maybe even get some use out of them. But like when it comes to like trash or like pairs of pants, like I've really seen people just throw jeans. Like first of all, why are you bringing jeans backpacking? <laughs> but <laughs> I guess I can't be too... Uh, judgmental about that because I definitely made a lot of uh, interesting mistakes my first time backpacking. You ever seen a lawn chair in like a bear box? <laughs> no, but I, I watched uh, uh, someone try to open up someone else's uh, bear canister thinking that it was a trash can. And I walked over there and told them like, like, like I knew whose bear canister it was. And I was like, what are you guys doing? And the guy was like, oh, isn't this a trash can? And I was like, no, it's not. That's someone's food. And he was like, oh, well, can you help me open up the trash can then? And he pointed to the bear box. And I was like, that's not a trash can. That's where you put your food. And he's like, oh, well, these places usually have, like, trash cans. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> Shelters don't have trash cans. <laughs> and he even, like, proceeded to say, like, well... Could I just leave my trash in there if it's like safe from the bears? And I was like, I told him, I was like, look, you can put your trash in there overnight, but you better take it the next morning with you. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's so, I don't know. It, it, it gets on my nerves. It gets on a lot of other people's nerves seeing stuff like that. 
And like, you know, I, I, you gotta be nice to people because like they genuinely thought that that's what that was there for. So like, I never got mad at them, like at least not to their face. But like, you know, you gotta, I guess people just gotta learn. Like you, you gotta be okay with teaching people. And not be like mean about it either. Like, cause then they're just gonna be like, why would I do that? That guy was mean to me. Yeah, pretty much. It's really hard, though, not to get mad when you see, because you think, like, that's just stupid. It's like common sense to us. Exactly. But like he, like your words, sorry, like you said to us, you know, because we have been outside and we have gone backpacking and we've learned. I mean, I'll be honest, uh, I didn't understand why you were supposed to hang your food my first trip. I didn't. I slept with my food for the first, like, week and a half until I met Sparky and I watched him throw a rock bag over a tree and hang his food. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, uh, hanging my food. I was like, oh, is that like for the bears? And he was the person that explained to me that hanging your food isn't just to protect your food from the bears, it's actually to protect the bears. Because as soon as a bear associates food with people, it's gonna start coming to campsites more often and getting people's food. And eventually someone's gonna call a ranger and they're gonna have to come and shoot them. I know that in some areas they'll tranquilize them and bring them, I think like a hundred miles away or so and drop them off, but they tag them. And if it happens again, then they usually shoot them. So hanging your food's not just to protect yourself. It's to protect the bears as well. And it's like, Cleaning up after that, you may be there for a little bit, but it affects, if everyone's doing it, it affects like the place over time. Like you might be gone and left a little bit, but like if everyone's doing it, it just keeps building up. Yeah. And it's not even just bears. It's rodents, mice. The, there's a reason why there's so many mice at the shelter, in the shelters on the Appalachian Trail. I hear some of those mice can steal glasses. Yeah. Oh, no, not, not, no mice. Uh, rats though. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was about to bring up. I'm really happy uh, that you brought that up, though. That, that makes me laugh. That's another thing that I just talked about when I was filming this documentary. I had to add it in there. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, if people didn't leave their trash at that shelter for every day for months and months and months, there probably wouldn't have been rats in that shelter. And I probably wouldn't have gotten my glasses and my headlamp stolen. <laughs> so... I mean, I even saw trash underneath the shelter. There's, I saw like mountain house meals and a bunch of just crap like that underneath the shelter. So that was a fun rant. Um, <laughs> leave no trace, people. Um, man, where did us all even start? We were talking about how we got into backpacking or hiking. Do you do you mainly do hiking? Is there anything else like outdoor activities that you're into? Um, hiking is definitely the one I do the most. Um, I have an interest in buying a bike, um, and doing some stuff on a bike. You just need a bike and bikes aren't really cheap. If you want like a good one to start with, uh, in my research, I've discovered over the past few months. Um, but other than that, I'm interested in like, I think kayaking would be cool. Um, or just being on water in general, but the other thing that I actually do, I play disc golf sometimes, but so those are my pretty much outdoor things, disc golf, hiking, and then I want to try to get into biking and 
doing some water stuff as well. I definitely, I've been hearing a lot more podcasts and just seeing more like YouTubers doing things like this where they're talking over the phone instead of in person, especially with like COVID and everything. But honestly, even if that wasn't the reasoning for it, uh, it's, it's nice being able to reach out to people who live several hours away from you or in different states or even countries and being able to talk like this and make a podcast episode just randomly spur of the moment because don't you live in like maryland or something up there yeah i live in maryland i am planning on trying to come down uh towards georgia a few times so you are you on the western half is that what you said or eastern half um i'm like in the middle of georgia but like i'm at the point where driving up to the mountains three or four hours really isn't affecting me at all. Cause really the Smokies aren't too far. It's like five hours, just a little bit further. Yeah. There's tons of cool trails in the Smokies though. That's, that's another place I want to go back and revisit. Yeah. That place is awesome. Plenty of like really cool stuff that just isn't even on the AT that you can go look at. Like, um, Mount Leconte's really cool. I went up there in the end of July. It's like, are you familiar with Mount Leconte and its little, I guess, quirk that it has? I don't think that's on the Appalachian Trail, so no. Mm-mm. You you probably passed it. So when you come out of Newfound Gap, uh, you go up towards Charlie's Bunyan, and there's a trail called the Boulevard Trail that goes up to Mount Leconte. Um, and uh, Mount Leconte has like a lodge on top of it where you can pay like a little over a hundred dollars for a night hike up there, but you get like food and everything for like breakfast and dinner. Um, but there's also the shelter that's up there or what I like to call the peasant's quarters. Uh, Cause like you're in the shelter, you carried all your stuff. And then there's pretty much people who have like day hiked to the top and paid a good bit of money to be up there. Um, which is really cool. Honestly, like it's full, like full kitchen and everything up there um, along with like a shelter, like a backcountry shelter. So like the Smokies has a bunch of like hidden gems that you kind of have to like look for because I believe there's also a bunch of cool balds and a bunch of spots where it's what they call old growth forest, which has a bunch of trees that have been growing since before, like the logging company started cutting down parts of the Smokies in the early 1900s. So there's trees that are hundreds of years old that are like way bigger than any other other ones like in the area. So you just kind of have to look and then see where you want to go in there it's it's really cool spot yeah you definitely seem to have a lot of knowledge about just like the history when it comes to a lot of the trails down there so i find that very interesting uh honestly uh i used to think that i wasn't that much of a history guy but ever since being out on the trail it actually has started to genuinely interest me just like how these trails got started and how far they've come what they used to look like I wish I could go back and see what all these trails look like when they first started, because they've all come a long way. I know you mentioned on the Bert, Bert, Bertrand Trail, that you said? Yeah. The Bertrand Trail, you had to do some bushwhacking. But it's just crazy to think that like someone walked that route before there was a trail and marked it out and was like, we're going to put a trail here. And there's definitely kind of like a running joke. I think it's on, I can't just say on the Appalachian Trail, but any any hiker 
you get up to certain areas sometimes and you're like, why in the heck did they put a trail here? Yeah, and you just you gotta think back to like like there is a someone I believe it was Rocket Man. He told us a joke when we first met him, saying like, so the PCT, a group of engineers got together and planned out a route that would be perfect for uh, pack animals to walk on, and basically for the Appalachian Trail, a bunch of dudes just went out, got really drunk and pointed a map and said, let's make him go over that one. <laughs> so that's what I thought of, to be honest, anytime that uh, we got up to some stupid rock face that you feel like you need to be on, you need to have a harness and safety equipment to climb up. A final little weird thing about the Bartram Trail, because this, this just doesn't make sense to me. There's, uh, so the last section I did up in North Carolina, um, there's a part where you go over some cool like rock outcroppings and then it goes down from the top of those and you're hiking on a ridge for a little while. So um, pretty much the trail it just drops off after like to your left and to your right. And then you kind of come across this wider spot and you're several miles from the road, probably like eight or nine miles from the road. And then there's a school bus just on top of the ridge that's been sitting there for who knows how many years but it's like, how did this even get here? Like, it's on the top. Like, did they drive it? Did someone, like, airlift it up here? It's, it's so, so strange. If, if you look at anyone's, like, pictures or any videos from the Bartram Trail, you'll see that school bus because it's, it's, like it, it's just like a landmark there that you, you come up on and you're like, why? Why is this here? <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, it's nice that it had its own little thing, that, like, little icon, I guess. <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, I really appreciate you hopping on here and talking to me. Um, I think I'm going to have to get going. I got a few things to do tonight before passing out. It's been a pretty long day. But, uh, yeah, uh, again, it was, it was really great having you on. Uh, hopefully, we can keep in touch. And when you decide to go out and do your thru-hike, you definitely have a place to stay at least once or twice when you come up through Maryland. Plus, I'll have to try and come down and maybe we can meet up in the Smokies sometime and do some hiking. Yeah, sure. And if you ever have any questions about mountain biking, uh, my job is I'm, I'm actually a bike technician, so I know a lot about bikes. Okay. So if you ever yeah. need any advice with bikes, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'd love to see you get into mountain biking. It's so much fun. Um, and you, you mentioned earlier that you got to start, you got to drop a good bit of money on a bike. Uh, honestly, it, it really depends. You can, I don't know too much about where you live exactly, but you should be able to find some trails that are still really fun to bike on that are smoother. Um, I started mountain biking with the old Schwinn Mesa, which you could probably find on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist nowadays for like a hundred bucks. Um, or 150 bucks. Uh, that's my recommendation, honestly, to get your first mountain bike is just find something cheap with front suspension on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. Uh, stick with you know some of the main brands like Trek, Specialized, uh, Cannondale. Uh, there's a few other ones that I can I, I can send you, but um, it, it's not as expensive to get into. Um, 
I rode a cheaper mountain bike for the first like three years that I was mountain biking and then I decided to drop like $1,500 on a nicer hardtail and that's what I've been using since then. Um, but honestly, I feel like no matter how much money you spend on a bike or even or any any sport, uh, snowboarding or backpacking, no matter how much you spend, you're always going to want to you're always going to want to upgrade and get something better. Like I have a tent, my I have a Z-Pax Duplex, which is like the most expensive backpacking tent you can get, and I still am like, man, I want something even better, you know. And like I have this nice mountain bike that I love; it it suits me perfectly. But I could always go for something better, you know. So, but yeah, just something to keep in mind. <laughs> it's like that for anything, backpacking gear, uh, like gaming computers music equipment just like you get something like yeah this is the one and then like months later like oh it wasn't the one there's more <laughs> oh i did the same thing with uh photography and my videos i got like a cheap like power shot from walmart for like 200 bucks i used that for about a year and then i dropped like 1500 bucks on a new camera setup and that's what i've been using ever since but like, I, I'm already thinking like, man, if I want to really upgrade my game, I need to drop some more money on equipment. <laughs> but you know, it, it... Yeah, I bought a new lens over the summer and I'm like, this lens is nice, but I love a better body. I take way better pictures, better videos. <laughs> like, ah, oh, there's always more. There is always more. But anyways, uh, really, really awesome getting to meet you. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. If you want to check out any of my photos, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Adventurous Apertures. Um, I also sometimes make YouTube videos of my hikes. Uh, that YouTube channel is called Taking Home the Trail. Um, I got some videos from Michigan and D Georgia and a little bit from Alaska. Uh, so if you feel like checking that out, that'd be great. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna be checking that out too. Uh, I actually haven't watched any YouTube videos yet. I've been, I've seen a lot on Instagram, but I need to check that out. So I actually, I might do that tonight after I eat. So yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you.